So what have you been up to lately? Oh, just working, you know, working on oh, yeah. a few things. Yeah, just my regular regular work. I've been uh, developing, uh, just waiting some, uh, I'm kind of waiting on a sort of trademark patent uh, for just some other stuff, and uh, it has to do with more software-based. Um, but oh, I'm also. Um, but other than that, I'm working on um, uh, creatively. I'm still doing creative things. I've been uh, writing uh, for a magazine that I write for. I write for Ubiquitous Magazine. I'm a contributing editor, a contributing writer. So I've been doing a few interviews with different. Uh, Creative people, different bases, a sort of a lifestyle, fashion type of magazine, um, and uh, so I've been, you know, doing that. I've been working on my own magazine, the development of Zenbitch, and uh, running a couple of little businesses. I started working on um, some film things with a friend of mine. So uh, getting more, pushing more for production. I kind of feel like. Um, you know, the future, there's so many things that you can do nowadays, and I think that inevitably I think everybody is going to be doing a lot of different things. I think um, you have a passion, you should just go for it, whatever it is. And do oh, it. yes. I think you can yes. do it nowadays. Definitely, definitely. That's interesting. You've got a film in, in the beginning stages, huh? Well, it's not necessarily that. I was working um, on costumes with a friend of mine. She um, does costumes, and I okay. found it fascinating um, because it's sort of based upon, you know, character-driven costumes. You know, the costumes essentially tell the story of the film, but also now moving more into the production end of film, of trying to get uh, uh, certain films produced. So that's right. what it's kind of pulling me into because there are some really great scripts and people have some amazing stories to tell. And after being around it for a while, I was like, well, you know, why not try to get these ideas to the right people and hopefully they'll have the right platforms and showcases for these ideas to see the light of day. So, yeah, that's kind of where I've been drawn. And I, I think that probably comes from just having a lot of friends doing different things and you just try to help or participate or chip in if you can, you know, with whatever your your expertise may be. Right. Right. Well, it's good that you have those creative things going on because I know the, the political climate isn't the best right now. Uh, and I think we... we uh, we agree quite a bit on things politically, so uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty nuts right now. I'd say uh, mm. we're at a real impasse, you know. We are. Mm. We really are. As a society, as different cultures, you know, once everything sort of globalism came into effect, that's sort of where all the everything started to get a little, you know, the tremors started to happen and it started to really challenge, I think, a lot of our 
philosophy, our ethics, our morals, all of it. And that's kind of where we are. Right, right, exactly. Did you ever have conversations with Prince back in the day about about society and, and the direction that was headed or the direction that was in at the time? And we did. He and I actually did have conversations like that because we were pretty apocalyptic, as few people could be. Um, and I think that basically was, if you look essentially with our religious upbringing, they were both pretty apocalyptic. You know, he was Seventh-day Adventist, I was Job's Witness. Um, so there is always this intellectual sort of uh, cold truth or reality that just sort of hovers over you as a child that this system is a mess from the get. You know, you're kind of told that. And, right. you know, you've got to figure out how to be in it but not of it and all that kind of stuff. So I feel there were many parallels. And, yes, he and I did speak about things with disdain and sort of uh, uh, a lot of uh, – you know, not at length. I mean, it wasn't like it took up much of our time. Where I think he had the best outlet was usually in his music. Right. You could see that he was he had processed. You know, he was processing his observations, and uh, had some commentary on it. And I think uh, his earlier works, and maybe all of his works, you can always find a hint of some kind of political or commentary on what was happening culturally at that time, even if you go back to Ronnie Talk to Russia or sexuality, those kind of things. I think when he moved into that arena with controversy and, you know, the Dirty Mind album, I think he really started to reach into a broader scope of it. Right. All the critics love you in New York. We spoke a lot about critics and people having right. much to say, you know, um, right. and always just being a critic or, yeah, so it's kind of, yeah, I think we did. We definitely had those conversations. Oh. I mean, we, when I was, when he was getting, you know, pummeled by Tipper Gore's moral majority and all of that kind of stuff, we definitely were not pleased with, with that and you know, as young people, we had our viewpoint, which was a little bit more of a, our ethics were a little more open and broader about, you know, acceptance and tolerance. So it was kind of interesting that, uh, and also it was a, we were really spearheading a real clear picture of the sexuality we were speaking on. It wasn't like we were pussyfooting around it. We were very clear. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's interesting you should mention those those early albums because I'm doing a I'm gonna be at the uh academic conference at the University of Minnesota in April and I'm, I'm oh, wow. working on I'm working on a paper on eschatology in nineteen ninety nine and Purple Rain. Oh my gosh! Yeah, so that sounds great. I think that, yeah, I think that's pretty interesting that you mentioned that you were both sort of, you know, apocalyptic-minded. 
back in those days because, yeah, I definitely see that in those two albums especially. So I'll be talking about several of the songs from those albums and also mm-hmm. a, a few of the songs from Around the World in the Day, too. Um, right. have that, you know, the end of days theme to them, so it should be interesting. Yeah, it was the end of days played, I think, a very strong um, social uh, background of, of palette for him. I think it was, you know, there was always that. Right. Spearheading off of that, did you guys did you guys talk a lot about faith and, and religion and God and all that? Yeah, I guess we talked about God a lot on many levels, you know. Um, but we also spoke about the fact that there is a fine line about where your powers are coming from, which God. Uh, those things were right. kind of brought up a lot. Definitely dark and light. The forces of good and evil were, like I say, I think they were a strong fabric of of who and and everything that we were doing. Right, because I remember Love, Love Sexy, which is a very spiritual album, you have this whole uh, you know, battle between Love Sexy, which represents you know, God and being in love with God, and then Spooky Electric, which was the the evil, the e- kind of evil force. Uh, yeah. That kind of, so like you said, the light and the dark. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that he, it, there were always extremes, and things were always very black and white, even though, you know, the rest of pop music was kind of operating within the gray. Um, there would be a safe place to, you know, view, to expose one's sexuality, like Madonna would do it her way. But it was gray compared to Vanity Six. You know, it right. it was it was. Um, so you look at it. There was just this fine line, and I think it also really differentiated him. Prince from like the Michael Jacksons and all of that because he was mixing religion with this whole music thing and um, right. I think that scared a lot of people in those days they were afraid when they'd see a cross hanging and you're naked in your shower uh, those kind right. of provocative in- images scared the hell right. out of everybody yeah right right I've always found it fascinating the way the way that he would blend sexuality and spirituality as if the two, you know, weren't mutually exclusive, which I believe they aren't. I believe they're both part of the human experience. Well, I think yeah. that he was he was adopting something that you'd only seen in the rock world, like Black Sabbath or um, Alice Cooper. So he right. basically right. took it and brought it into this, and it was this, you know, black guy doing it. And that hadn't right. really been done so much because he he really you know was like people couldn't understand that it's not that it wasn't being done it was just you'd see it in the rock world these very strong uh sexual archetypes and and comic books you would see it too um right. the women of the right. characters 
And so Prince right. kind of brought that to life and carved out his own niche. Because Michael Jackson was amazing, but I don't think he was sexy. Um, that right. was not his appeal. It wasn't sexy. Prince brought in, I'm a sexy man, um, and I'm a sexy something. I could be anything you want me to be, you know, in your head. And uh, so I really like that he played with a lot of uh, the mind of of his his uh, his his fans because I think he didn't just get them with the imagery; he got them in their minds. Like he he had these full on affairs with his fans, and they will walk away. And some of them still believe they've had the have these deep connections. And I'm not going to say that they didn't have it. Because right. it wasn't, he really did get into their heads. He was there right. in their lives. Right. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting in my case, being born, I was born three months early and suffered brain damage at birth. So uh, mm. I, ended, I ended up with cerebral palsy uh, and I'm in a wheelchair, but. God bless me with a with a great mind. I would say, not to sound yeah, how crazy. how amazing, not to sound conceited or anything like that. But uh, I was blessed with a with a strong mind and a strong heart. So uh, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. And and Prince was a big part of my life and still is, uh, as right. far as spirituality goes. As far as you know, sexuality goes. I mean, he was a he was a teacher and kind of a guru, you know, all throughout my life mm-hmm. in those domains. And yeah, I definitely feel like he's a big part of my mind and also my my heart. Uh, his his music meant a lot. It really does don't mean a lot to me right. personally. And I know a lot of fans were affected, like you say, he got them, he appealed to their minds in a way that few other artists, I think, have been able to do throughout their careers. And it's just really interesting and fascinating and humbling to you know, to think that we existed at the same time that he did. So I know it's a real blessing. It is, and and it's also quite sad right. with his loss because right. this is it. I don't think the fans there were everyone still relatively young. The fans were not ready to let that go yet. Um, because they still have some things to do here left on this earth. Many do. And he sort of, he'd been with them for so, through so many things individually. And I mean, and when you put your head around that, you know, we can laugh it off, but he really did uh, find the uh, people who, who sometimes were shy or, or broken or people who, who no one would pay attention to or the eccentric or the eclectic. And he kind of gave them a voice and he gave them some, like a safe harbor to go to. 
and he went with them through these different peaks and valleys of their lives. And so that's why it has been so heartbreaking on a certain level, his death, because the grieving that I've seen has been, it's just, it's sort of like how Princess Diana was the same for many, many people as well. I mean, you remember when you, when you found them, you remember what they mean to you. But with Prince, I think it was the people were not ready for this, and this is not the way they wanted to see him go. And many of them would say they would have rather been gone before witnessing him leaving. You know, I've heard right. some say that, you know. Right. I know, I know for me personally, in my mind, I had always thought, you know, gee, I hope by the time Prince leaves us that I would have somebody in my life, you know, a partner, a wife, or a girlfriend, or somebody yeah. that I could, le- somebody that I could leave on through it. And unfortunately, I don't. But I've been able to get through it. But I still, I still think of him almost every day, and I'm surrounded by his image. I've got a lot of magazine covers and and tributes and stuff in my room. And uh, he's always, he's always in my thoughts. He's always nearby, and it's a comfort. Well, I, I know he was a source of tremendous comfort for a lot of people, and I'm being a little intellectual here, but only because I wasn't around him the last years of his life for many years. But when right. I look at it, I kind of see that um, in a very odd, peculiar way, his life trajectory and how the span of it, it looks as though towards the last 10-something years of his life, he pretty much was in mentor mode anyway. And, you know, mentors are not always your friends. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, do you have a mentor? Yes, I've had mentors. I don't know the ins and outs of their personal aspects of their lives. So what I'm saying is that he really did take on that whole role of the guru the mentor, and I think he really was finding his place within it and understanding by going online a little and chatting with people, Um, you know, because it started to make me laugh a little because in the early days he would get some mail and we'd go through it until we got a really bad batch of mail with some private parts, private things being sent. But before that, he would call people and hang up on them or do silly things. but I think he understood not only – I think he always knew how how the mag, magnanimity – I don't know if that's a word, but how important he was to many people. But I think it feels like he – I feel he may have started to embrace that and was moving into a direction to console, nurture, strengthen people, um, some of the words in his later album were more about preparation and, and pre- uh, trying to be strong and, and having a more loving aspect um, is quite beautiful. I think, his, I think it says a lot to me about his relationship with his fans, more or less, towards the end of his years. I think they were really the only ones who were there for him. This is why I think that piano show was so incredible because it was like here he was surrendering himself to just you guys and him and I for me that is the top that's the top that's the that is 
such a brilliant thing. It's like serendipitous how that happened, as sad as it was. It yeah. was so symbolic to me of who was there and who he adored, and I think it was his fans. I mean, we can go into the girls of this, the bands of this. He was just sort of like this naked being. And because he had these Sanskrit symbols behind him, too, during those shows, like the beginning of the Vedas, like the beginning, and there he was, just pure. And I really found it to be, it's kind of chilling, actually. It's so chilling to me, and it haunts me a little bit. But it was so pure, the essence. And right. I think that's the complete circle that the fans have to really embrace that because I think it was a gift to his fan base. That was a gift that you that people got. That was the gift. Really wasn't the right. record. It was that. Right. And I've talked about I've talked about the whole full circle thing with other fans and and we agree, you know, it's kind of it's kind of chilling, like you say, how he went back to the Afro, you know, in the last few years, and and it kind yeah. of called back, you know, the very beginning of his career, and in the end, it was just him and a piano, and the audience, and like you say, that that's the the top, the zenith of, of you know, what he could do. And well, he, yes, because... He'd been speaking so much, you know, you said, like, the spirituality. There, as I said in our earlier youth, we were a little bit more apocalyptic. But what's so beautiful about his career is that he actually went to the Genesis again. And that's what, what's what? so beautiful to me. It's like, don't be afraid. I'm not, you know what I mean? There was no fear. There's this, there was a right. tremendous calm, like, going into a swimming pool, and, you know, even if he was terrified, I mean, Prince never wanted anybody, he would never let anybody know. Um, I mean, he'd show out a little bit. He didn't want to go skydiving, but I was kind of crazy, always crazy with him. But for me, the genesis of, of who he was as, an, as, a, as his spirit and his energy that was a present to everybody, and I think we really got to see that. I hope over the years that that's the one thing that people remember. I think it's brilliant that he did the piano and microphone show because a few years before in 2011 or something, I think I got into it with Alan Leeds online about something. Oh, he was criticizing Prince on Saturday Night Live or something. I don't know, or a new album, and I was like, just leave him alone. Like, you know, let him do his thing and grow. Because I always felt that, and I had said, I don't care about the bands, and I never did. I was fine fooling around Prince's house and him just fooling around on his piano. Seriously. Yep. And, and if people could have seen that, barefoot at the piano, um, just sitting there maybe in his underwear or nothing at all. I mean, just to be, to live that and to know he is this instrument of music. It's passing through him. That's, if I had to say how I was always reminded of God, it was because of some of his works that he did. And I don't, I've often said, you know, some people are, I've gone on, oh, you were a muse, or this one was a muse, or this one wasn't. Sometimes I've often 
that we were just casted into the role that came along and in a person's life. And I think those little songs were babies that had to find a way because it it went beyond me or who inspired this song. It went beyond that. Those songs had to find you guys. They had to find fans, and they had to change lives or impact them. And see, for me, on a metaphysical level, that's far more important than, you know, you know, because, but his, his, he, his knowing that he trusted a higher power so much and his creativity would make all of us walk around and go into studios and think we could do the same thing and stay up all night and have the same things happening. But it wasn't really like that. There was some kind of weird connection. He put in the time. He had the relationship with the higher spirit. And I believe that's why it worked. You know, right. there just was a tremendous amount of trust that he had with God when he created his songs and his faith. And for me, nobody is saying that because creativity is your direct connection with the Supreme. Your creativity, every time you paint, whatever. That's you. That's a whole new relationship. It's not your wife. It's not your girlfriend. It's not your sister. It's not your kids. Right. Right. I agree. And to me, I don't know. I've always Tina had it as well. Tina Marie had it as well. Yeah. The only difference with Tina is she was vocal about this love with her her mentor, who was Christ. Um, She spoke a lot. And, and it was in her home. You can feel it. It's very funny. Both of them I saw, again, after some period of time, and, you know, shortly after I'd seen them, they passed away. Um, there's right. something very similar in their personalities and presence of being around those times. Um, I won't really elaborate, but of the two people that I've seen, a male, the animus and the anima, of two different, a male and a female, who came onto this earth who loved, I mean, their passion was their music. Right. I don't think I've ever met any other two people who, other than Tina and and Prince, I mean, they would be, have been fine on islands just sitting there. They literally were the type of people who went on stage because they felt they needed to share with you what they had. It wasn't like, I need to be famous. That's a trip. I've met people who were def- different. Okay, Ruichi Sakamoto is another one. Connected. There's a connection, a fiber. It's, it, it, has, it, it transcends things. So, yeah, I've been blessed to meet those people. And, yeah, who've done some remarkable things. Remarkable. Yeah, definitely. You know, they brought notes and harmonies and chord structures and composites and juxtapositions to get you thinking, and they changed, their dynamic changed a room. Anybody who can do that with whatever their art form is or their embodiment as a person, that's power. And, you know, yeah, they all, everybody can go through their Machiavellian period or whatever. The, the interesting thing is when I was in their presence to see their creation process, there was a tremendous amount of trust for being in the moment 
and receiving what was at hand. Sometimes it would be silly. Sometimes it would be goofy. But to really go with it, and then there was this also continuum, continuum of completion to finish it. There was something about these people always had to figure out how to finish it. It wasn't the kid who left it all over the toys in the room. They would stay maybe for days, but they'd come back and try to finish it, the puzzle. Right. 